Hello, my nosy friends. Welcome back to the Nosy AF podcast. I am Stephanie, your friend and host, and I'm on holiday break. And my friend Ife is here. Hey, Ife. Hey, Stephanie. And we're celebrating the holidays, uh, resting and being quiet. But I thought that I would play for you one of my one of my very first episodes um, with Abby McNair of the wandering family abby with her family of six she they travel the world it's a black family they travel the world and they just be gone forever and i was so intrigued by her traveling her family at the time i feel like we recorded this in like 2016 um i wasn't even thinking about family like i just want to get myself still want to just get myself around so like bringing others with you just seems so shocking and yeah do you like to travel Ife yes I love to travel and I definitely I'm an extensive international traveler yeah yeah Yeah. she is too you know I feel like it feels like if you travel in the states that's not cool anymore it's all about international (laughs) (laughs) I know you know it's um I it's a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. America is, it's not really, it's not really easy to travel around America. You know, yeah. it's really expensive to get from state to state. It's a long distance on highways. It's just not easy to travel across America compared to like Europe. You know, it's a lot cheaper to travel across Europe. And even in Asia, what Asia is a lot bigger, but like it's cheaper to be in Asia. So it's easier to travel. Yeah. So, yeah, America's a little bit difficult sometimes. And then it's like, I think that's why so much tourism is focused on the coast, because it's just easier to get around that area. You know, if you're in New York, you can go to New Jersey, you can go to Boston. You know, people like to do that. You know, California is just all California. But like, what's happening in the middle? Not You know, it's like you got to know somebody in Chicago. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about it that way that like hotel and stuff like that can always just be so expensive. So expensive. You know, yeah. versus like in France, they could be like, oh, I'm going to go to Spain tomorrow. And it's like yeah, not it's that much to do it. Not that bad. And then we don't even do hostels, really. We're not even really big on hostels. So it's just like it's it, it can be cumbersome in America for sure. Oh, man, that's some good points. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even introduce who you were this episode. I mean, oh. We're on our holiday break and folks don't even know you, you guys. This is my friend Ife Olatunji. She's a documentary filmmaker. And, you know, we've been friends for 10 years. Isn't that so. right? We so. met at a film festival that I was showing in. Ife at the time uh, has or she has with her eth- ethnographic film company, mm-hmm. right? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was doing a film festival, collected voices, and we met, and we've just been friends ever since. We swap selfies, making sure we look fresh and fly. We talk about filmmaking and our ideas together. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, while you're home, do you want to be on the podcast with me? <laughs> yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And I will say about that just because I love that memory because I totally walked up to you like, oh my god, I. I love your movie and you were just like okay girl <laughs> oh my god oh, how rude of me <laughs> no 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 you weren't rude at all you were definitely just like oh my god and I I still love you and I'm just like oh I still love you you're just amazing yeah 
I love you too. And I just love like friends that, you know, you could just kiki with, make stuff with, bounce ideas off with. And yeah. So thanks for even talking to me about this. Yeah. So let me just intro this episode. Um, It's The Wandering Family. I'm just going to play it from start to finish for y'all so you guys can see the music I use and maybe y'all could tell me how I've grown since then. Um, But I guess we will see you guys in the new year with um, new episodes. We're still continuing the On The Rock series, uh, which are just artists that I met while I was at my residency in Pooch Cove. And yeah, continue to rest, drink water. Ife, any ideas, any thoughts about? Yeah, save up for a trip this year. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, travel. Listen, mm-hmm. I was I was barely traveling in um yeah. in 2023 this yeah, year. Exactly. Yeah, T-I-G-H-T with the strike. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. But let's but, save up for the end of the year and make sure we all get to go somewhere, even if it's just, you know, a staycation. Make sure you do that. Yeah. I love that. And I really hope that this episode, um, listening to Abby speak about travel and how she travels her family serves as inspiration for y'all. So enjoy this episode. Yay! Yay. Happy New Year! Yes, Happy New Year. Hey, party people. Welcome to the Nosy AF podcast, where I, your bud Stephanie, talks to folks that simply are not like me. Today's guest is so not like me, you guys, but I aspire to be like her because she is super duper rad. Today's guest is Abby McNair. Abby is a mom to four, and she's also a business lady. The thing that's really amazing about Abby is that she and her family, there are six of them total, y'all. Lots of people are nomads and they travel the world. Last year, Abby and her family travel all through Latin America and they are currently bouncing around through Asia. So check that out because like you never hear about black people doing that. Did I mention that they're black? I know, right? Because you just don't hear that. Like usually you hear people that are traveling the world are like some bearded white boy with a backpack and this is a full-ass black family traveling the world kicking it right now in Malaysia as we speak so when I heard about the McNair family wandering the world I was like what I had to talk to her so she made some time she talked to me and I really hope that you guys are inspired by her story it totally just challenged the way that I think about family and where my family should live and what we should be doing and how I should school my kids. I mean, she has flipped my world upside down, okay? So check it out. This is a conversation with Miss Abby McNair of the All We Do Is Wander family. All right, Abby, thank you so much for talking with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel like your family is a unicorn. <laughs> like <laughs> families that travel together around the world doesn't exist. You're the first I've ever heard of this. So, wow. how, which is awesome. Thank you. How does it feel to be the first in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it hits all my purposeful, meaningful things in life is to inspire people to live outside of their box and to uh, that things exist 
that maybe you don't know. I remember for a long time, I used to go to bed dreaming that this life existed, that somebody was out there living the life that I wanted to live. And so to finally be living it, it's like, I hope someone is still dreaming that this life exists so that I can be the representation that they're looking for um, to keep pushing to achieve that goal. Yeah. So you've always wanted to travel the world? Long before we even started the nomadic life, I had never left my state, legitly. Like, I've been the tri-state area, so that's like Maryland, D.C., Virginia. And until I met my husband, I had never been into D.C., ever. Oh, wow. And so... Like, I fell in love with him because he took me to D.C. I was like, oh, my God, he's so exotic. Look at him. I was so impressed. And so when we finally got together and I had grown up and wisened up, I was like, that was nothing. Like, you took me across the state line. Like, that was absolutely nothing. So I made it my point to get out there and see more. And then we joined. he joined the military and we traveled within the military. So that became the new thing. And when we hit Germany, we stayed for two years and I fell in love. With the element of travel. So how did you guys meet? Oh, gosh. Okay, quick story. Yeah. My cousin's birthday party, we're playing Taboo, and there's a guy. I'm really tall. I'm like six feet tall. Oh, me too. Hey, six feet. So (laughs) there's a guy playing Taboo. He's cheating. He's looking at the words, and he's saying the words you're not supposed to say. So I'm like towering over him, and I'm like, you can't say that. And so behind me, there's this voice and it's like, yo, back up off my friend. And so I turn around thinking I'm going to be looking down because the friend is short and I look and I'm looking at my now husband's chest. And so I look up to his face and I'm like, you can get jacked up too. And wow. so we all go around. <laughs> I think maybe like the next day we both kind of ask our connections, our friends, yo, who's that guy? Yo, who's that girl? And so like we've been married 14 years. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> long, long time. But yeah, that's how we met. Oh, man, that's so cool. And so, okay, so then you guys get together and you're sort of in this forced travel because through the military. Exactly. During that time, you guys were in Germany. Where else were you? Um, let's see. So we did seven states. So like Texas, Virginia, Maryland, Hawaii. Uh, where else did we go? North Carolina, and then we stayed in Hawaii twice and ended up moving to Germany for two years and then coming back before he retired. So now you guys are like chilling, he's retired. And then how does this nomadic life get started? I'm a rebel. That's basically why. So this was all, this is all your idea. Yeah. This lifestyle. Okay. That's so cool. I wanted to live life on my own terms. And I've said this before. We get sold this dream, this like white picket fence, buy a house, you know, get a car, become a soccer mom. You're a family mom, a family woman now. And I was like, I don't want to drive a minivan. I I want to still be a cool mom. And I don't want, like, whose dream is this, basically? I don't want to live this dream. My dream is to go see the world. Or my dream is to be on the beach with a coconut drink. Why do I have to live the dream that they're selling me? And so I started rebelling against that concept altogether. So I started, I homeschooled my children for two years. I just fought the system in a a way. Um, And then I said, we could do this. We could totally do this. And so I said, I set him down. And I waited till the kids went upstairs and um, I put on a, a travel show because I was like, that's going to solidify this thing. He gonna, he's going to see all this cool stuff 
and be like, babe, we could do this. Mm-hmm. And so I threw it out there. I was like, hey, babe, can we just sell everything and travel? And he looked at me like, um, hell no, woman. You cannot sell everything that I paid for, we work for, to go travel the world. He was not on board at all. How'd you get him to be on board? <laughs> well, I planned without him. I just started dealing with our finances, reducing our debt. Um, I started making plans, structuring where we could go, what we could afford. And then I came back and I was like, boom, here's a stack of papers. We can do this. And this is the proof. Oh, wow. It was something that he could not argue because we were thrown for a loop. We didn't know that he was going to be offered retirement. And so we had to make a choice right then and there. Are we going to give them a home of address and go move and live a normal life? Or are we going to go do something else? And I wanted to do something else. Sure. So when you decided like, hey, I'm going to do this and you're like reducing your debt and all that kind of stuff, how long of a process was that before you, and where was your first, where'd you guys go first? So that was in 2016, he was offered retirement. And by 2017 summer, we, we were gone. Wow. And our first destination was uh, in Tulum. Uh, it's like the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. Oh, okay. soon north of Tulum, like the Playa de Carmen area. Sure. Stayed there for 30 days. That's so pretty there. I've been there. We really, really enjoyed ourselves. It was a nice change of pace from like everyday life, like working and 40 hours and all that stuff. Yeah. Here's a quick question about homeschooling. Were you a good student? No. Like missed 180 days my senior year. Like not a good student (laughs) at all. I always fear like if I have, because I wasn't that great of a student, I feel like, and I hear, I was listening to some other interview about a parent that was homeschooling. And it made me think, like, you can't homeschool. You weren't a good student. Absolutely not. I don't think that we can be gauged on who we were then and sure. who we were as parents. And I think it's a great quote that, I, that um, I've heard over and over again. It says, don't feel insecure about your abilities to teach your children. Be insecure about sending them to an institution that makes you feel like you can't teach them. Like, mm-hmm. if you if you like you're not able to educate them based on the education that you receive, then is sending them to that same location, that same institution, the wisest choice. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, because it's like, if I don't think, if if I didn't think I was a good student, then they're going to go in the same setup I did and not be good. Or potentially, potentially. Yeah, potentially, exactly. It's not true for all of them, but homeschool has been phenomenal for our children. This would be their third or fourth year, depending on which kid you're talking about. Yeah. And there's four kids, right? Yes. 14, 13, 12, and 7. Yeah. And it seems like homeschooling, because that's what that's one of the things I was thinking about with this, like, okay, how do they get their education? Do they? But I guess that having the homeschool set up allows you to be mobile. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. And there's different ways to homeschool. Like there's different ways to world school. You can send them online and the teacher will teach them through an online portal. You can take workbooks. You can do unschooling. Um, my daughter at 14 is a college student. So it just depends on what? how you them. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. A college we, student. Yeah. We skipped high school in the sense that we didn't do all four years. We did just the core of what was required and we follow passion led learning. So she wants to be a journalist. And so she started her own magazine and that became her her senior project. And she started college three months ago and she's an English major. Wow. She's like Doogie Hauser. <laughs> That's amazing. 
you just have to, you know, the option to be able to do it that way has to be presented. So we presented it to our son and he was like, no, mom, I don't think I'm ready for college, but he likes to certify. So he's certified in JavaScript and sign language one. He's taking sign language two now. So it's just however they best educate is the best way to to get them to learn. Yeah. So how does your family work like in deciding where you're going, how long you're staying there? Is this still all led by you, like figuring it out or no? Okay. No, no. Um, the first year we stayed 30 days at every, every location and we moved. And okay. that was based on money. So you, it's a great app uh, called Skyscanner or Momondo is another one. And you put in where you are and anywhere as the destination. And then for the time frame, you can put in like a whole month. And they'll give you the cheapest flight from where you are to anywhere in the world and on the cheapest day. Wow. And that's where we went. So in Mexico, we put it in and Bogota, Colombia was the cheapest. And that's where we went next. But this time around, we've dedicated staying a year in Asia and not moving so much. So we're staying in Malaysia, but we're going to be in three different areas in Malaysia. So it's similar to like living in California and then moving to Minnesota like that. That's a cultural difference, even though you're still in America. So same aspect. Uh, so, but this time we, the kids always get a vote, um, but you know money rules the world. So if you want to go to Japan and Japan's Airbnbs are not within our price range, we're not going to Japan. We're going to go to wherever else works for us. Right. Okay. So you stay like in a lot of Airbnbs. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that's all we stay in is Airbnbs. Wow. What do you think you would do if Airbnb wasn't around? Oh, they have other website platforms like VRBO, um, HomeAway that we could utilize. But Airbnb is the most popular. It has most of the listings and they have really good discounts when you stay a long period of time. Yeah, nice. Does Airbnb know that you guys are using them a lot and traveling with them? They do, but they don't. I did reach out to them, but they haven't reached out to me. So I don't know. I'm hoping that at some point we can have a collaborative effort on this whole Airbnb thing. So one thing I wanted to talk about is, all right, so with travel and this, like, there's a lot of, um, I, I, at least I see, like, in the business space, like, people wanting to have, like, nomadic or, or businesses that allow them to be nomadic. Right. You know, especially with a lot of, like, the whole self-care thing and people, like, get out, live your life, especially in the Black community. I see lots of people traveling and taking pictures and all these different black travel groups pop up. And I wondered because unfortunately I see like an air of arrogance with it. Mm -hmm. And like, it sort of can be like classist almost whether intentional or not. I wondered how you have humbleness in your traveling. And then also how you offset that to your children as well. Cause you're like in your Instagram post like that, it just seems like you're just really, excited and inspirational and you like come off as like somebody that's like okay if I want to do this I feel like I could reach out to you and you'd be cool you wouldn't be like you know what you need to do this and like I'm here with my you know like you wouldn't be a jerk (laughs) no I wouldn't be a jerk yeah (laughs) personally I stay humble in my travel because the experiences that we have while we're traveling keep you humble because we, we go and we've volunteered at rec centers. We did a fundraiser for um, needy children for like school supplies. Staying humble is easy because 
we're just, the world is bigger than us. And being able to move in different spaces shows you just how small your life is in comparison to everybody else's. And we don't stay at the Marriott. We're not at some five-star resort. We stay where the locals stay. We eat where the locals eat. We communicate and interact with everyday people. So we're just somebody who happens to live in Malaysia for a period of time. It doesn't it doesn't feel like we're a celebrity in that way. And as far as the kids go, I think that there is a level of arrogance there that is almost unchangeable because they they can't communicate or they, they have struggles communicating with like their peers and their cousins because the, their experiences are different. And so it's, it's difficult for them to interact in that way. But they're still kids. Sure. So all stuff that those kids are doing to some degree, my kids are doing. If I say get up and go do the dishes, no matter if I'm in China, Malaysia, Singapore, those same kids are looking at me like, oh, my God, mom, why? So, you know, they're just regular, regular children. So the element of being humble is there just because we reach out to local community. We like, for example, here in um, Malaysia, when we leave tomorrow, we are going to a tea farm. I mean, a pig farm. We're going to go live with a local family, eat wow. with them, live with them for a month, and help them on their fig farm. So go get dirty. Wow. Go help lift, plant, grow. Go learn something. So we travel authentically and not to showboat because sure. we really want to get out there and have these experiences because they are life changing. How are you able to afford it all? Retirement. And it really isn't that we, we do retire. We have retirement. Let's break it down. And we do do sponsored uh, Airbnbs. We've done sponsored because when you work with a local host, not the company, it's a different experience. Uh, we do have done sponsored Legoland trips. Oh. Um, at the same time, it, we eat locally. Oh. We eat like I don't go and try to make you know, my collard greens in Malaysia, they eat rice and noodles. <laughs> you go eat rice and noodles. Uh, you try to go to the grocery store, you know, buy, you know, name brand, that, brands that you're familiar with, then you're going to spend more money. Um, and also, it doesn't take that much money to live outside of the U.S. Uh, we, we're in a high rise um, apartment condo right now. And it has a gym, full 24 hour security, um, Olympic sized pool, gym, sauna, covered parking. And I wow. say all that to say it's only $600. Wow. In all honesty, I'm sitting here. I'm looking out the window and across the water is Singapore. That's so inspiring. That's so exciting. I, I think people always think it's really, really expensive, but there are so many travel hacks. And that's why we do travel life coaching, because people don't know that you can really travel. And we're a family of six on a pretty modest budget. Sure. Yeah. So how does that work then with your coaching? Does it focus on people that want to have this like the similar lifestyle as you or is it like if I want to have like a modified version like maybe like it's half the year uh we we do anything from just needing a travel outline like a blueprint of a trip that you're going on uh we also do people who want to be world schoolers or nomadic and then we also have a referral service for expatting because we're not expatting and that's something very unique but we can connect you with people who are expats in your your desired area what's an expat someone who is leaving the United States permanently. Like they're going to go live in oh. Mexico or Africa forever. Like they right. want to relocate completely. Right. That'd be cool. I could definitely do that in Mexico. It's so pretty. I, I, we Man, we did that month in Mexico on the coast. And then we went back and did a month in Mexico City and fell in love. 
I'm telling you, if I, I have not picked my forever home, but Mexico is definitely on the list. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how long do you guys plan to do this, you think? I have no clue. We started saying, okay, just two years. And oh. then we started doing it. And I was like, wouldn't it be nice to do a year in Africa? And so now we're committed to 2019 going to do a year in Africa slash the Middle East. So at this point, we're looking at 2020. Okay. I mean, your children are sort of young, but I sort of just like think of them as like when they start to come like to a dating age or like, do they even have that now? Because maybe like 14, I wasn't dating at 14, but you know, they have like all these different cultural relationships is going to be neat. Yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> that my daughter isn't at dating age, but she's at attraction age, you know, like, oh my God, he's so attractive. And so we went to Colombia and I know most people, or I would say, I'm going to speak for myself. I thought Colombia was very white and, and then you get there and they are brown babies. And so I was like, oh my God. And so me and my daughter are now nudging each other. Like, do you see all this chocolate? He's so, they, these guys are so handsome. They have like slick black hair and they speak Spanish. And so we were joking around. I was like, oh, so now you're not dating, you know, a black guy, like an American black guy. She's like, no, now I don't want a Colombian. So Yeah. Because so. <laughs> it's like, how do you go from like that to just like Jamal on 63rd Street, you know? <laughs> I mean, ain't nothing wrong with Jamal. No, not I'm at all. Saying, she just brought in her, her her horizons and was like, man, like there there are brown people everywhere. And that's exactly what my son said when we landed in Colombia. He said, "Mom, everyone is brown. They all look like me." And for me, that that was a heart wrenching moment. Like it 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 filled me up, but it hurt at the same time because he's young. And we had to have a talk, and I was like, you know, they are, and it's okay. Yeah. And it seems like, is it like okay to be brown? Like versus here in the States, it's so tricky to be brown. Yeah. They're welcoming. Uh You don't have that look over your shoulder feeling like I'm not concerned. Like in Mexico, the the police officers are walking around with like Uzis, like legitimate Uzis. And I wasn't like, oh no, come back. Or, you know, afraid to let them run around or even speak to the police when I needed assistance. Because the element is not the same. The way that you feel, the danger level that you feel is not the same. Um, I will say that there's like a cliche for Africans, though, because my husband is dark and he's really tall. So when they see him, especially when we were in um, Singapore, they thought he was African. And you could tell that there was like a disconnect there. But when we opened up our mouths, they were like, oh, you're American. Like you could see the relaxation. And I don't like that. And I don't. But that's just the truth of the element is that they do have a like a tone, if you would, depending on where they think you're from. Wow. This whole traveling thing you guys are going through is, has so many levels to it. Definitely. But yeah. that's why everyone should do it because you learn so much about yourself, your family. You, It's a growing thing that's undeniable. Yeah. So, okay. So say I've, I've never really traveled or I've done minimal travel like within the States. Mm-hmm. And how would I get started if I am a parent wanting to... Like, for example, a friend comes to mind who's like a single father with a daughter and they want to travel. How could he be you guys? (laughs) I think the first step is planning, is figuring out, can you make enough money? Because everything is based on finances. So really, financial is the first. are Are your monthly bills accessible and but in in a way that you can make enough money to do this and travel? 
are you willing to do things that maybe you have not done before? So maybe go get a certification or a new skill that will allow you to be uh, more remote. And once you've kind of planned and worked out your financial part, the rest is really cake. Finding out whether your state allows homeschooling and what are the qualifications and requirements for that. So some states require you to take annual tests. Some states require you to come in. Each state is different. I think the next step after that, taking away the things that you don't need. Can you live without Netflix? You know, do you need um, all of your furniture? Kind of like that purging, paring down thing will be the step after that. And then get your suitcase and buy your ticket. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> It's really the commitment. The fear is what stops people. It's all possible. But the fear of like the unknown is normally what stops people. So if you make a plan and say, I'm going to buy a ticket for a year out. And in a year, I want to go. And you only buy one way ticket too. That's one way. (laughs) Okay. So wait, so you have like a rebellious spirit, but were you afraid? Yes. And no, no, because I have a rebellious spirit. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. That's just who I am as a person. And everybody who listens to this podcast that knows me is like shaking their head like this, nodding. (laughs) (laughs) But when I landed in Mexico, I was afraid. I was afraid because I still, even with all of my knowledge, I was still very American in that way. Like, well, what if they, you know, what if they do this? What if I do this? What if I get hurt? You know, what if they, and I remember holding my kids really tightly and I remember, Um, not wanting them to like walk off because one of them wanted to go get a cart. And I was like, no, stay here. And I had no clue what to do. And this nice Mexican woman walked up to me and was like, do you need help? And I was like, yes, I do. And she helped me 110%. And I realized that I was choosing to be a foreigner. I was choosing to be on the outside of the box. And that people generally are nice and warm and welcoming. All the stereotypes that you get about any location is just that. It's just a stereotype. And most of the people are, are eager to help you and, and they want to help you. So the fear it almost went away within the first, like, I would say hours of being away. This is so exciting. So you have a podcast because we're both newbie podcasters. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so tell us about your show. It's called The Wandering Mom. And it's basically a my story, our family story about traveling. We cover tips and travel hacks. And I give a little travel tea because there's some things that go on while you travel that you need to just be able to communicate about. You need to be able to say it. And I don't have any girlfriends to sit around and chat with. So I'm using my podcast as a venting session on on some of these episodes um, about cultural differences and things that have happened as we travel. Um, And on a more serious note, we deal with Black family travel. Why? How can we overcome the hurdle that is stopping more Black families from getting out there and traveling or becoming nomadic? And so the the whole purpose is for it to be inspirational and informative um, about travel life and what the possibilities are for families who want to get out there and travel. Are any of your kids picky eaters? The youngest. Aww. The youngest. He's, he's, listen, honesty moment, okay? Yeah, please. He will... He will be hungry, okay? Because I'm not. He will be hungry. Yeah. That's what I tell him all the time. I said, listen, I cannot make you grilled cheese right now. You know, this is what we're eating. They don't have your, you know, burger that you're looking for, that familiar thing that you're looking for. This is the new food. And for the most part, he'll compromise. But <laughs> he, listen, he went to bed hungry. I'm just being real. He has because I, 
you know, we don't have those options. <laughs> yeah, I wonder that because it's like even like as I get older, I'm like still sort of picky because I grew up as a picky eater. And so it's like when you're at those places, you know, when you like travel, because like I will usually go somewhere like on like a hiatus from my work. And, you know, like there's still like comfort because it could be like at like a resort. Or maybe I might leave out, you know, so it's like, well, if I don't see anything out here, I can always maybe get a slice of pizza back here at the hotel right. or whatever. <laughs> no, not when you have to cook at home. I yeah. mean, we had... um I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's a local dish here. It's similar to ramen. It's called L-A-S-K-A. Laska. I think that's how you say it. And it's like fish paste and ramen noodles. And uh, there's like shrimp in there. It's like coconut milk. It smells. It's like chicken broth. I mean, like chicken noodle soup on like steroids. And I loved it. And everybody loved it. And he wouldn't try it. He wouldn't even try it. And I was like, you have to try it. And so, like, I had a little bit left in my bowl. And I said, okay, if you try this, I bribed him. I'll give you cake. Because we were getting cake anyway. And he tried it. And he loved it. He was like, you don't have any more. I was like, well, I had an entire bowl. But you wouldn't try it when the bowl was full. Now you want to try it and the bowl is empty. But some things, I think the whole element is just try it. Just if you hate it, you don't have to eat it. You know, you can always be like, no, thank you. I don't want to eat that. But we're always pushing him to try the the food, whatever it is, so that he can at least have his own personal take on if he likes it or he doesn't like it. Yeah. What is it that you love so much about this life? And then what is one thing that you miss or that you don't like? Let's see. I love my level of freedom. I love being able to wake up at 10 o'clock and go travel and visit someplace or go interact with people um, or sleep in. Um, so the freedom is definitely something that speaks to me. I do miss my family a lot. I have nieces. And so we do a, a lot of FaceTiming, but like the, the being there and interacting with them and, um, you know, having those funny moments, I definitely miss that. I do get to Kiki sometimes because, okay, so quick story. We, you know, you know, these black women out in the street, you know, you just, hey, you know, you speak, you nod, you guys acknowledge each other, and you just keep moving. But when you travel, okay, you see another black woman, it's like, girl, hey, listen, hey, sister, you are you available to talk about this? And so we were at the grocery <laughs> store, and there was a, we were waiting for the grab, it's like an Uber to come, and this guy gets out, and he's black, and I'm nudging my husband, I was like, it's, it's a black guy, it's a black guy. And then inside the car, you can see the, the braids, the, the silhouette of a braid. And I was like, yo, I think that's the black chicken there. <laughs> and so out, out comes the black woman. And so we make eye contact and it was almost instantaneous. It was like, hey. And we ended up going upstairs to the inside, the back into the mall to talk with them for like, I don't know, maybe like 30, 45 minutes. And then they invited us over for dinner the same night. Nice. We went over to the house. We had dinner and wine and had a great time. So there are interactions, you know, but it's not it's not the same as like, you know, hanging out with your girlfriends, you know, that that I do miss. And my nieces, I definitely miss my nieces. This is so exciting. I'm really like inspired by just a whole different way to have a family, you know, because I think you're right. You do definitely have this dream of like getting married and then you have your kids and you'll buy your house and then maybe you can you'll have like another property, right? Then then that means you're like really doing it. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. but then to leave all that 
and be nomadic. And then it's totally just going against like almost like I want to say like black family dream. But, you know, like for black people, you know, like us, like establishing wealth and property, all that kind of stuff is really important. Right. Just like for the whole world and to do the opposite of that. But then this is also super important because it's like for your spirit and for experience, which is also just as rich and as important. Yeah. So that's why it's like this, this gets deep. Like you're a lot, like the different seeing ways of how people live their life. It's just, it's so deep. And that's why it's like, man, everybody needs to know about this and see this because it's, you don't see it with, I've never seen it at all really. And then let alone like then to find out that you're a black, black woman leading this. Right. I, I definitely agree. I think that, you know, when I went and told like my parents or when he told his parents, they were like, but you need a house and what are you going to leave your children? And, you know, what about your job? And you need to go. And I, and I said, but what about my happiness? Yeah. And so I started living. It, it was a revelation for me. It was like, you know, we're so fixed on these things, these these levels of success. Right. This what these milestones that, that define where you are in life. And I said, in no way are we questioning if you're happy. Yeah. Right. The first thing is, what do you do? What are you majoring in? What's your career? No one asks you, are you happy? Yeah. And so I my mission that I don't do things that don't make me happy. Literally. My brother called me and he was like, oh, I really need you to do this for me. And I was like, but it doesn't make me happy. And he was like, so you're not going to do it? It was something mild. It wasn't like a yeah. major thing. But I was like... <laughs> Because it doesn't make me happy. And he's like, I hate that you do, you live like this. And I was like, no, you love me because you're going to learn to live like this. Live happy. Does it make you happy? And he was like, well, no, but it's a friend. And I was like, well, you're wasting your time. If it doesn't make you happy, why are you doing it? You only get to live one time. How much of your time are you going to be spending doing things that make you miserable? And this actually started, I would say, maybe like 10 years ago. Um, a young lady that I used to know said, her mother told her that on your tombstone, there's the day that you were born and the day that you die. And then there's a dash in the middle. That dash is your life. What is your dash going to say? Yeah. And at that point, my teacher only said I was a mom, I was a wife, and that was it. Because that's that's how I had dedicated my life at that point, right? As a mother, it's like, all you do is mother. All you do is be a supportive wife. And I said, I I don't want my dash to say that anymore. I need my dash to speak about my life and what I did and what I accomplished. And so at that point, 10 years ago, I made it my mission to fill in my dash. And so I went and got a degree and I owned two businesses and I started inspiring young women. And so I started changing my life to fill in my dash. And then after I felt like my dash was kind of colored in a little bit more, I said, well, who gets to decide that this is the only way that I get to live my life? And so it became my mission to live my own truth, which happens to be travel. That is awesome. Cause yeah. Cause even when you said just like thinking of, and that's why I'd asked the question about the, you know, arrogance and stuff like that, because people are always like, you know, as soon as people see you traveling, they're probably like, well, what does she do? Right. She probably has like all this money and this and that because they equate travel to like luxury and, only like that people have money can do and and you are totally doing the opposite of that you know you're saying like no that's not the case you know you don't have to be like a kardashian to see this world no but you do have to be flexible and you have to be accepting 
So, for example, we stayed in Costa Rica, but Costa Rica is not like like, like some countries you can go in, you can stay in the city and you can travel out to experience different things and come back to your home base. Well, Costa Rica is not like that. It's so green and so rainforest, like a spot on this side of the country that is doing this, doing this. And then there's the city and then there's the country. And so we decided that we were going to stay in one spot each week that we were there in order to experience all of Costa Rica. Well, to do that you're not going to get the same discounts that you get if you had booked one place for a month. So we had ended up spending more on accommodations. So we had to compromise on where we stayed. So the first spot we stayed in was in the jungle, literally in the forest. It was a really nice um, house up on a canopy. You could see the ocean. It didn't have a TV Mm. and it had limited Wi-Fi. The second house we went to was a farm. So really nice house, but you're on a farm, literally. Like there's wild horses and cows and the smell of manure, just being honest. You can't want to travel and not have the income to travel in like a luxury way, but then have all these crazy standards that you're not willing to compromise with. And you have to be open to trying new things. And when I first told my husband, who is not by any means an outdoor man, that we had that I wanted to try this tent thing out, he was like, no, babe, like what about this? I don't like that. I said, okay, it's only a week. Just try it. He fell in love. He fell in love with the tent. The, the people that we were staying on, the property that we were staying at, the people lived on the other side of the property. And every morning, the guy was an Air Force, uh, retired Air Force, and he would get up and play his trumpet every morning, which was something very familiar for my husband being you know, retired military. So he ended up having a phenomenal time. The kids ended up feeding baby goats, collecting eggs, Aww. like... It was a total experience. But if you had asked me, I don't know, maybe like four or five years ago, do you want to go live in a tent with goats on a farm? I'd been like, no, why would I do that? Yeah. But you have to be open to new experiences. Cool. I want to stay on a tent, feed baby goats. <laughs> but not here. Like I can go like to a farm and do it. I don't want, I want to like be like you. <laughs> <laughs> Get it, do it. Yeah. Do it. Again, you know, that like the beauty of world schooling is that it doesn't have to, or nomadic life even, it doesn't have to be like I'm doing it. It doesn't have to be like anybody is doing it. You can say I'm committed to traveling two or three times a year. I'm committed to doing it just over the summer. Um, I'm committed to expatting. I know people, there are families who live in one country for a year and teach English at the local schools and then relocate to another place during the summer. Yeah. You know, so there's so many options that I don't I don't think people know that are available to them to you know live this life or to choose to live some form of this life. It's really just about getting with the right people and, and finding out how to make it work for your family style. Yeah, it sounds like you almost become like you start your coaching business by default for just being coming a resource for everybody. Yeah, yes. And I love it. I get messages on my Instagram all the time. Hey, how would I do this? Or can I go here? What about this place? And I don't know everything like by far because I've only been traveling um, for you know a little bit over a year. And I, it's an app called Bin. And so you can put in all the places you've been and oh, cool. all the traveling that you've done. I've only seen like 4% of the world. So oh, wow. <laughs> not an expert. Yeah. But you know, being able to connect with the right people or ask the right questions or, you know, come up with a resource or brainstorm some creative hack that could make it possible is, is what we enjoy doing. I love hearing people. A lady contacted me literally when we left for Mexico and she was like, I want to travel. I saw your page, you know, 
I hope you're cool with me reaching out to you. And so we've kept in contact, you know, back and forth every few months. And she leaves to move to Mexico in two months. Wow. Static. I am like leaping for her. I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. I can't wait to see her. I said, start your Instagram right now. Start sharing your story because people want to hear it. People want to see it. They want to believe in it. And so I'm excited for her to have like committed to the journey yeah. of, 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 of world schooling and being nomadic. Yeah. Like, so world schooling, that's just like that, the idea of like living around the world. Cause I was thinking it was, it's not just like your kids, like homeschool program. No, world schooling is kind of how the parents refer to how they educate their kids. Got it. Okay. World schooling. So homeschooling is home where you're staying no, yeah, home ah, at home and uh-huh. like unschooling, which is, I don't want to describe it incorrectly because I'm not an unschooler, but basically you you allow the children to follow their own passions and purpose and lead their own education. So it's like normally there's no structured or formal um, education tools provided. Um, And then there's schooling where you, but I have a world unschooling family, friend, sister, and her kids are like phenomenal. Like they are on top of things. Like they do things that I would never think about doing. Like my kids don't think about doing, but because they have the freedom to kind of explore their own world, they don't live, they don't have limits. Yeah. They're not like, no, that's, that's, that's dangerous. Or no, that's hot. Or, you know, no, that'll break. They literally are free. That's cool. So then my last quick question is, do people, are there people listening to Cardi B in Malaysia? Not that I know of. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I totally listen to Cardi B. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we got into the uh, the grab and um, the radio's playing. And I'm like, yo, this is like being in the city. Like everybody's vibing. Like the music's their way up. And it's all like our radio. It's American radio music. Everybody you thinking of on the radio, that's, that's who's playing over here. They thumping it too. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely that's but awesome. not everywhere because in, in uh, costa rica i didn't hear any american okay. music at all but in malaysia but they speak a lot of english here and okay. singapore is literally across the water so they sure. speak uh, english there too so it's, it makes sense yeah well thanks for talking to me <laughs> absolutely i appreciate so it all right see i told you abby was pretty rad wow Another episode down in the books. I am always just so shocked at myself when this happens. You guys, all of the information that Abby talked about is all in the show notes at nosyaf.com. I don't think I ever really pub that site, but I have show notes from all the episodes there. So if you ever, you know, was like, oh, what they say again, all that kind of stuff, I put it all there. And if it's something that you don't see there, hit me up and let me know. I am so thankful to have your ear once again. And yeah, I hope you guys are making time for yourself. Hashtag self-care. Hashtag get this money. All right, we'll see you next week. Peace.